to you, dear listener. Have I got a treat for you. I am chatting with singing and songwriting sensation Judith Owen and playing you tracks from her latest album, Rediscovered, a fine collection of reimagined and rearranged covers. I make it as easy as I can for my guests. The mountain goes to Muhammad and I record our chats on my trusty iPhone to save them going to a studio that I have to pay for. My producer, Tiago Barrero, then edits the podcast and uploads them. We think we're doing something pretty amazing under the technical circumstances. I recorded this at Judith Owen's beach house in Santa Monica. The faint snoring you may hear in the background is not her husband, Harry Shearer, but her dog, Doris Day. Put the kettle on, Tiago. You simply must applaud them. The Chat Podcast with Claire Borden. Keep and Chad Judith Owen, thank you for chatting with me. It's a pleasure. I'm very excited to hear all about your new album. As you know, I'm a massive fan of yours. I have paid money. I buy the <laughs> records. And I'd like to come and hear you play live. Yes, you we'll do. talk about that later. But tell, I'm very excited. Tell me about your latest record, please. Well, it's... And thank you for all the money you've spent on me uh, to date. I oh, appreciate it, could be, it so much. It could be $400. I'm not, not really. But thank you. And now that was a joke. Of course it is. It's much more than that. I, I put it into thousands at this point. Um, the new uh, album, can you even say that anymore? It's a collection um, of other people's songs. I, you know, for, for many years now, I've had people encouraging me uh, to actually put together a collection of my very twisted covers. And when I say twisted, I don't mean that I've, I've they're, they're painful or anything. I mean that I I do love to... Um, take songs that are very famous or very popular presently or well known that are in all our DNA and deconstruct them and find my myself in them and um, and turn them on their head that's turn, what you've done turn here. them completely on their heads but make them sound like I wrote them because I I started doing this as a child I mean it, 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 I've been doing this a very very long time please do not ask me how long I'll, I'll lie um, but it, when I was a little girl, listening to my sister, who was a very, very fine pianist... Ten years ago. It was all that time. It's incredible, really. Look at me. So, um, I uh, was... When you were a little girl. Sorry, I interrupted. I no, it's all right. My, I, was, I, was, I was still... Obviously, you know, it's... Uh, as a narcissist, I can always keep a hold of my thoughts. <laughs> I, um, as a performer, we you were know talking about you. I was talking about me. It yeah. is all about me. So, as a, as a, a small girl, I was... Um, four or five years old I'd be listening to my sister who was a brilliant pianist and she was playing Debussy I remember the piece I always remember the piece uh, that she was playing and um, and I would get up on the piano stool with her and play my version because I could hear it in my head and I was finding it and obviously playing wrong notes but they sounded nice to me and then I'd be making up I worked very hard at this and I was finding different chords but they sounded almost right but I really liked them they made me feel really good and I think my parents probably thought I was going to be an incredible concert pianist or something I seem to have you know that such a good ear and perfect pitch and all the rest of it as it turned out I have musical dyslexia which means that um uh, musical notation is absolute gibberish to me. I have I have Gosh, dyslexia. I didn't know for that. reading. Yes, yeah, I've kept this very quiet my whole life, and just I, I, I actually people don't think that's the case. They think I can read. Well, I don't, and I can't write for sure. Uh, I could, can't do either, and um, and it takes me. Uh, I can read uh, 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 as I've described it a line of music, you know, per day. But your I mean, ear is so speed. good. Do My you ear is, doesn't matter. I don't. I don't need it. And and that's you know those weird things that happen in life. I remember hearing this about same thing with so many artists who never read like Elton John. You know it, it goes on and on forever and a day. And all, all the people and who don't read who who were liberated, I think, by not having to read and and being. There are boundaries in, in, in classical music and there are boundaries in reading, but I'm hugely influenced, obviously, by classical music, by by jazz, by every piece of music I ever heard in my life, and it was a very musical household I grew up in. But I, I was left alone to my own devices because, obviously, I was never going to be a concert pianist. I mean, I couldn't be. I couldn't read. So, See, I, so, you're, but you're a fantastic piano player, and I was going to bring this up later, mm. but 
Because I don't think your fans maybe realise just how good a piano player you are. Because you've actually played, in fact, you played on one of my sister, Julia Fordham's tracks, your bestie. And you're an astounding player, but you don't, people don't realise that, I don't think. No, I don't think they do. And I I think they do when they see me live. Yeah. But I think if you hear this, the, the, uh, you know, any of my recordings, I'm not sure people realise that that's me playing live at the piano with Mm. my voice because it sounds so separate you know it sounds so, so let's do something you were talking about so flipping it on your head yeah let's start by playing the last track of the album yes because it is well everyone's a winner I'm, I'm I've heard it the whole album it's just sensational the last track is piano voice yes. dream a little dream let's hear it and then let's talk about it okay stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in that sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Say nighty-night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me Stars fading but I linger on dear Still craving your kiss I'm longing to Till dawn, dear Just saying this I love it so much. Tell me how you came to get that version of it. What took you to that place? Um, Well, again, it's... uh finding your own truth in in songs and actually it's a very sweet story speaking of of your sister and uh uh and yes my bestie julia julia fordham she and i uh or i i, I turned her on to these incredible vid- videographers and and photographer couple uh nick and greg and um and they actually they've made many of my of my videos and, and covers for my last from my my last record, uh, somebody's child, and, and they get they got married in, in New Zealand, and rumor had it it was it was I was I was let known uh, somebody told me that it would almost make them the happiest couple in the world when they came back to LA to to, to do the proper ceremony with all the family if I were to potentially perhaps sing Dream a Little Dream mm. for them and I thought well it is the one thing I can do that's that that means the most to me and. It's what I can give that's different from everybody else. So I took it to the next stage and I went into the studio, of course, because I was recording, finishing up the record at that time. And I did the joyful version of that song. And then I did the Judith Owen (laughs) version of it. And the Judith Owen version of it is the one that I experienced in life. Haven't we all experienced that kind of one night stand or that, that time with a person that just maybe isn't, into you like you are into them and you know that all you'll have is one night with them or that dinner or maybe a few dates but it won't go any further than that it's not going anywhere serious but you're of course smitten Hmm. and crazy for them and that's what I felt in my heart when I heard this when I immediately did this version because there's a yearning to this song and it's always been recorded even you know by the greats like Ella Fitzgerald and 
It's, it's you know it's a very old it's a classic from the thirties and and uh, but what it speaks of of course is I can't wait to see you tomorrow because uh, let's not say good night so hard to say good night because I just can't wait to see you again. My version is I won't see you tomorrow. This is it, and I'll never mean that much to you, but you're everything, and I think it's it. I think that that's the thing about love songs like that is is that. We don't all. We don't always necessarily want to hear something that is cheery and fantastic, and you know, and up. Mm. I think some of the greatest songs. I th- you know, I think about it's Frank Sinatra. You know, one for my baby, one for the road. It's just that song kills me. And then something more contemporary, maybe with a Bonnie Raitt, "I Can't Make You Love Me," you know, which was still playing Great on that song. same idea, yeah. um, which is, you're not that into me. You like a singer-songwriter. Oh yeah. And who would you say that Joni Mitchell is the queen of singer-songwriters? I think she's the patron saint of of uh, singer-songwriters. And uh I think I think what uh, Joni did was open a door for all of us to all of us singer-songwriters to be able to actually expose our inner workings without mm. without any shame. And I think women do it really really well. I think we all know that women can, you know, go go to the bathroom in in a, in, a, in a restaurant or anywhere in, in in the world and can literally be telling a complete stranger their life's medical history <laughs> within 20 seconds maybe not well, not you, even that long 3 seconds well you do I do for sure I think yeah I think I think it, you know, maybe in America that happens a lot more I I tend to be that person I'm fairly shame free at this point but I think women well, we just have the ability to to open up about stuff and and get get to the meat of the matter I mean I I think men can stand next to each other in a urinal and you know, and and they and they're built to not speak because God God knows what that might turn into. So I, I you know, we're just different creatures that way. Men 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 keep it all inside. I I, I believe. Um, what 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 made you choose Cherokee Louise? It's a well, fantastic I, I think, choice. Yeah, and I th- I think I, I it was ballsy of me to to want to cover Joni anyway because who what a nerve. What a cheek to try and cover I don't her, agree. you know. Well, you know, you know what I mean by that. It's just because like, you're being respectful. You're, it's a respect. With all of these, well, with all of these covers, songs, yeah, they they can't just be for the sake of it, you know. I I I, I make up this. I made the joke that I mean, I did I did a coat of arms basically. I did my own uh, motto in Latin. Well, what's in the booklet of of the of this CD somewhere? I can't remember what it, quite what it is, but basically it means I don't do karaoke, <laughs> and it makes me because it's become the theme of my life. You know what I was getting to earlier was that when I started performing in clubs and dodgy wine bars and hotel lobbies, who 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 would have thought I'd have met my my husband, the love of my life, in that? Yeah. So there's one good thing it I was going to yeah talk about him later. Yeah, we were which we was were. in. In 1993, you yes. married a much older man. How did yes. that work out? Very well. I know. Isn't yes, it it's fantastic. You know, when you marry a much older man, it, you hopefully he's got it out of his system, and has <laughs> learnt a lot more than you know, and has got past that that place, and is pretty much more set in uh, find, found found his his ways and his style. And I was very fortunate to meet to meet Harry, Harry uh, as in Harry Shearer, my, my fabulous husband, because I met, I met my match, you know, as I met somebody who lives for their, and for, for their art, for and, what they for, do. And musical. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Totally musical. As, as, as we now know, he's going out with, as Derek Smalls. Yes, with uh, you as well. You're with going. me, with me in there um, as... Uh, Derek Smalls of Spinal Tap of Spinal Tap yes uh, who has made the most incredible at the same time I was making this record we've been doing something we've never done before which is making records at the same time so at night he would be listening to my mixes I'd be listening to the Derek Small mixes and they are terrific I mean truly this is a remarkable undertaking and also it's with the Budapest Orchestra so you've got now pomposity rock pomposity on another level and also, just a gratuitous sense of that this, that this is, it's called Small's Change, but it's a meditation on ageing. So we know that it's going to be great. And I get to, to sing opera on it. I get to, in the live show, I get to do my sort of homage to Shirley Bassey. I sing Sex Farm. <laughs> it's a reckoning. It's a Me Too moment. It makes me proud. But anyway, back to, back back to, to Joni. Back to Joni Mitchell, Joni. though, yes. So... Back when I met my husband, and this is wrap around to Joni moment. I was listening to Joni at that time. It's my oh. introdu- introduction to Joni very late in the day. I never heard all the 
voiced Joni. Right. I didn't hear that. <laughs> I heard the who Joni. And I actually thought that was her. So when Harry first played me the high Joni, I was like, who is that person mm. doing sort of Joni? Don't laugh, please. But it's the truth. So I came in late <laughs> and I came in during the period where she was first with Larry Klein in Night Ride right. Home. Little did I know that when I came to America, the first person I would work with would be Larry Klein. And the first, and of course, Julia was working with him and at his and Joni's place and they were married. So this is all an unbelievable tie-in in in life. And it was Larry that said to Julia and to me, I don't understand why you girls don't know each other. You know, because he thought we were so alike and goddamn, he was right. We are. It's ridiculous. Anyway. So I'm listening to Joni and it's opened up my life. At the same time, I'm playing at great clubs like Ronnie Scott's and also then doing these four-hour marathons. Now, this is the second time in my life that I used this skill that I have to, to arrange, rearrange, deconstruct, rewrite a song that, that makes it mine, I own it. If I tell you I was asked, do you know anything from Cats? <laughs> More than 50 times in, in that, that, those couple of years of doing these gigs... I would. I'm. I. I'm not lying. And what okay. did you say? No. Now it got to the point where I was getting so much aggro from people. You didn't people. punch anyone in the face. No, but I was having like the maitre d coming up to me and saying, "What is your problem?" You know, like and giving me the old earache. <laughs> so what I realised is that in order to be able to do standards and popular songs, because that's what I was being paid to do, I couldn't just do my own music. I'd just sneak them in. But what I did was I went and rewrote these songs and reimagined them, rearranged them. So they meant they were true to me and they meant something of my own life. And they did that thing that I was hearing with Joni, that I was hearing in the music that so influenced me that I loved. I was hearing it was all about being honest and opening yourself up and exposing yourself. So I had to find my own truth in all of these songs. And it it basically earned my, you know, it's how I earned my rent. Mm. It's how I got through at the time, I, you know, I was also studying to be an actress and that came in handy too because at the end of the day, performance is about all these things. But ultimately, the first songs I heard of Joni's really were the two that I chose on this record, one of which is Cherokee Louise. I think at the time when I heard it, it blew me away. But it was in a period of Joni which hasn't been taken that seriously and cherished. Which one was that? It was like in the period of like in the in the late eighties, early nineties, okay. and it's a kind of it's a it's a time I feel like in the eighties where I don't know why, but the records that she made then aren't held up as being the triumphs that they were. Right, and There's still so are many to choose from. so many to choose from. But it's kind of seen as being like a. Uh, you know, she's out there in the hinterlands or something. I don't know what happened. I bloody loved them. And Cherokee Louise, I think, is even more pertinent and poignant today when people are actually talking about the lives they've had, the abuse they've lived with, the shame, the silence, the secrets we all keep in this life, lest somebody judge you or see you as being as damaged as you really are. And this is an incredible song about a young Cherokee girl who is being abused by her stepfather. And I, I think I think it is what I want to do with this song, because it's very deeply immersed in production in the original version, and it's done as a very much, it skips along in a kind of, in a, in a sort of fun looking back at childhood way. I wanted to get to the real meat of, of Joni's poetry, because she is a poet. Oh, yeah. And I so wanted you- this to absolutely chill you to the bone and move you. Cherokee Louise is hiding in this tunnel in the Broadway bridge We're crawling on our knees We've got flashlights and batteries We've got cold cuts from the fridge Last year, about this time we used to climb up in the branches Just to sway the in some breeze Now the cops on the street They won by Cherokee Louise Cherokee 
tongues are wagging over fences, wagging over phones. All the doors are locked. God, she can't even come to our house, brother. I know where she'll go. To the place where you can stand and press your hands like it was bubble bath in dust piled high as me. Down under the street, my friend, Cherokee Louise. I, I keep saying stunning because I think every track is, is a winner and stunning. Tell me about the musicians. Well, it's my, my family of, my, it's my rhythm section, me on piano, of course, but then it's legendary and quite remarkable, especially on this track, Leland Sklar on bass. I'm, when I, I mean, it, it, I, I can't put into words what it's like playing with him. Sometimes you go out just the two of you. Don't yes, you? we will be doing very shortly. It will be a mixture of me and the other, the, the amazing player that on percussion here, um, Pedro Segundo, who really is it's funny, the three of us all come from classical backgrounds and I think that's what we have in common. I see all of, of um, the arrangements, of my arrangements, they are like a chamber orchestra and that's how I treat all of this, is it has its place in arranging. It's all about hearing, to me, hearing those things. They, there's a reason for them. They have a voice. They do something to you. But it is everybody listening to each other. And the fact that that song is recorded live and it's the three of us together putting this down in one take, which all of these are one take. I mean, that's the point of performance. That's that's what I learned a long time ago is that most of the time you see a performance, a live performance, and then you listen to a record and think, oh, that's often the case. Well, you this know? is the thing about you. And so, uh, we, we've got a number of friends who are an amazing singer-songwriters. Is can you sing live to yes. to be a success in this this world? Recording is still wonderful, but can you sing live? Yes, most can't, but yes. you can. I mean, wow! It's my Your it's my true joy is is performing live because especially with with Leland and, and Pedro, I, I, I'm going out in May to you know to do a big promo tour that to support uh, the album and people will be able to actually get it. They'll be able to get the CD before anybody else and, and we start in New York and, and May 10th and go all the way through the month you love all that you love I touring. bloody love it I'm a road rat so yes. you know most people are like what do you mean you have to get in a bus I'm like yay I can't wait my idea of heaven is just being on a bus and um, going from from place to place with people who make me laugh who I love and make me happy um, and being a gypsy, you know, I love that. I'm, and it's all about your wiring, you know. It's what your wiring is. I have, I cry when I leave home and I leave my dog. I cry every time, and then I get on the plane and the adventure begins. Mm. And well, you're in your element. I'm absolutely in my element. And then, then I get on stage and I sing and then there's honestly Claire there is absolutely nothing like you know that from seeing Julia there's nothing like it in this world and I have to say I never feel as filled up and as uh, as complete as when I'm on stage because I'm doing the thing I, I, I really feel like I was put here to do and that's a rare thing to, for any of us to ever get to feel that because, you know, if only I felt like that the rest of my, my daily life, you know, that, that right. But put me in front of a piano, put, put me in, an, in any situation, put me sitting here singing to you one-on-one one on one and, and I'm filled up. I mean, that's the remarkable thing that... It's the that, gift of music. It is the gift of music and that has never changed since I was a child. It has never changed. It has been... Um, it has been the safe room for me in my entire life, and I and I feel incredibly privileged. I must say, the 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 greatest joy is that for so long I thought it was just for me, and that nobody else could relate to it or feel anything from it. The the greatest gift, really, is knowing that 
that I can have that I can make other people feel the way I feel mm. when I'm singing I mean yeah. that to me is the extraordinary thing that I can't even explain I can't explain it you can't no, nobody I can't. can. I, I, it's just... well, it's a, a, it's a star quality, and it's that invisible thing that's you just can't explain it. Let, let's play the shape of you. This is it's undeniable the brilliance of it. Well, thank you. It's um, again. I mean, I I I, I was trying to because I've done songs. You know, I've done so many songs that over the years have become people's favourites and they constantly ask me to do like my bossa nova version of Smoke on the Water where it's like the heat comes from like the sex of it which sounds bizarre but it works perfectly I was trying to because I've had all you know song, songs that are like I've said that, that become like favourites I was trying to find some contemporary songs that the kind of songs that you cannot actually get away from they're that prevalent and they're in your world so much one of them I asked I asked Harry what's the most extreme song I could possibly do do you think and he said immediately oh a hotline bling Drake and I oh, have yeah, to say and I have to say that let's you know, play a bit of that well it? yeah I mean you, you, yes you, you, you can but but leading to I mean, it, 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 that's the, the most perverse version and it's kind <laughs> of a, book, a bookend it's the beginning of the, of, of the record but it works with uh, Dream a Little Dream being the end of it because it's about the same it's a basically the same thing which is which which is the yearning and the the wanting someone more than they want you so that works terribly but the second thing that didn't come from him but actually started me thinking okay what's as what's as out there as this as in what am I hearing all the time and which of course had to be Ed Sheeran's Shape of You I'm a big Ed Sheeran fan I love anybody who's a redhead of course you do of course I do as, a, as, as a major uh, uh, yeah ranger as they say in Australia <laughs> you're, that what they say? dude you're a ranger <laughs> and I was like what are they calling me and is it rude and it turned out it was a ranger as in orangutan. Thank you. Oh, God. So I, I'll take that as a huge compliment. My One of my favourite creatures in the world. Anybody who's a redhead that gets on is, is big in my books. So um, love the man. And I thought, well, how am I going to find myself in that? How could I possibly... It's about something that I've left so far behind. You know, here I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm with my soulmate. I've done it all. You know, we still find good reasons to argue every day, which is healthy. But how am I going to find this? It's, you know, he's basically talking about, you know, having, having their first lusts, being in lust, dancing, getting down, doing all those things. And then I, 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 take, I always read the lyrics very carefully. This is one, how I start with rearranging songs that are extreme. Just what I did with Hotline Bling, the same thing. To find my truth in it, I study the lyrics. So I'm studying Shape of You, and it's all fun, 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 fun. It's obviously not me. And I'm going through, and I'm going through, and I'm going through, and I hit gold. I hit it. Jackpot. And there it is. His line, it's a throwaway line. It says, put on Van the Man and follow my lead. And that was where it all made sense. He's listening to Van Morrison. And I just thought, okay, I got it. I'm, I am someone like Van Morrison, who is so influenced by black music, by American black music of that, that, you know, Stax, Motown, all that era. I had to do this as a real throwback, that kind of hand jive throwback to the 50s, that kind of time. And I really thought, okay, it's, this is the perfect excuse to get one of my favourite, most underused instruments in, which is the baritone sax. Get that in there. Who and produced the album? I did. All of it? You didn't have anyone... I have a co-producer, absolutely. I co-produced it with uh, the fabulous Dave Bianca, who also recorded it and mixed it, um, and with Steve Lee, who is who who is incredible. He's He basically takes care of me in my whole life, and he is very, very creatively hands-on with everything with me. But it's my vision, it's my arrangements, these are, this is my... But I have this wonderful team of people around me. I have these wonderful musicians, you know, back to Cherokee Louise. I use some of... Because I live in... New Orleans, as you know, and and London, and as well, and, and LA. Uh, uh, yeah, and LA. So I could jump between all these different places, but I used a real true star who that you hear on Cherokee Louise on the trumpet, uh, which is Nick Payton, who's Nicholas Payton, who's one of the great jazz stars in America, and an amazing uh, cellist, not my usual cellist, who's who's my beautiful British cellist uh, Gabriella Swallow, but Helen Gillet down from New Orleans. I wanted to get those sounds those feelings in shape of you i had seen george shelby 
and had worked with them. And George Shelby is on was on the road with um, the fabulous Leland Sklar uh, on tour with Phil Collins, who's just been doing this massive arena tour. Uh, boy, is Lee in for a shock when he gets on the old uh, slipper <laughs> bus with me, in the van with me. Oh, dear, speaking of Van the Man. So um, so there comes George with the Giant Barry, fantastic. And then also from the Phil, and also somebody that Julia and myself, we've known and worked with for a long time, but I haven't seen her for ages, Amy Keys. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, singing, so it's a small, small world. Yeah. something up that actually started off as a bit of a disaster but I'm so impressed with how you turned it round and, and, and so and you actually had posted about the fact how excited you were to be playing at the Albert Hall oh God. a dream come true dream come true you posted it on yeah. that I'm just about to go on just about to go on yeah the possibly the proudest the greatest I'm so excited yes and then what happened I was so excited and then 15 minutes Ah, before I burst on stage, um, the word came back, and I actually, how I reacted to it was I went, yeah, because because my team, we do love winding each other up, so we do terrible things to yeah, each you other. Thought, is yeah. it April the first? Well, I just I just thought they were just messing with me, you know. My tour manager came in and, and said, um, word uh, word has come through that uh, Brian has lost his voice. And he's got, uh, he's really struggling. He's been, he's been trying all day to get it together, but he has a virus and he's really sick and it's, uh, it's looking pretty, pretty much like we're going to have to pull the gig. And I just went, <laughs> yeah. Well done. Very, very Yeah, fun. yeah. And then I looked at the beads of sweat on his forehead and, um, and I knew it was serious. And I just thought this, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. So... Can I just say, instead, I mean, a lot of people would have, cried. Would have well, they would have just fallen to their knees on yeah. the Albert Hall stage and gone, why, why, why? Why? But you turned it around. You thought, okay, no drama. Well, you invited all the journalists back to your Well, house. I did. You see, that was the great joy of the whole thing and, and the horror and the, and what are you going to do? All these journalists had flown in from different parts of Europe to see me play and cover the, cover the set. And I was like, so what? I'm going to blow that. So first of all, I said, is there a piano in, like, in a bar upstairs we can just all go back to and get smashed and deal with it? No. So I just, I said words that Harry said, I'm so proud of you, I never, ever thought you'd ever say anything like that because I'm a control freak. I said, everyone back to mine, was actually what I said. Now, this is laughable. If you know me... But it wasn't because it ended up... No, I know, it ended up, but thing. just to know me is to love that I would have yeah. come up with that because I'm a really uh, private person. Yes. And I'm not the kind of person that says, everyone, back to mine, let's have an ease up. That's not who I am. And so everyone came back, squeezed everybody into the house. And and let's not forget, it wasn't just at that point me and Lee and Pedro. It was Ross Kunkel, uh, drum legend. Yeah. And it was Waddy Wachtel on guitar. So it was a whole hoot nanny. Mm going on You'd here. flown all these people in. Oh yeah, we were on tour. <laughs> we were on bloody tour. So it was just not, and, and they were just devastated. And it and I think their devastation actually brought out the great uh, war spirit in me. You know, I got all British. It was like, everybody, come on now. Come on, let's keep it together. Everyone. Get a grip, everyone. And I turned, calm. I literally turned you to, to keep calm and carry on, which is really interesting because it's normally I'd be like on the floor screaming, but I, not this time. I was just like, no, come on. And, and you played the full set. Okay. I went back got to the house, drunk. got everybody liquored up. We opened every bottle of booze in the house, which was quite copious at that point. I don't know how it happened, but there was a lot. Got everybody smashed, and we played. I'm on the piano. Um, I think 
there wasn't even a guitar for Paul Waddy to play, so we sang along. Uh, Ross and Pedro are just playing bits and pieces and woodwork and part and you know pieces of furniture. There's a bass there, so Lee's on bass, and off we went, and it was miraculous because what we did was what you remember when you do things like this. That okay, it's the Albert Hall. Nothing's going to come close. But the whole point of the sadness and the devastation is that you don't get to perform. You don't get to release this and thing share your music. and share it. Well, as it turned out, it was the best thing that could ever happened. I got, I got, I mean, I'm amazed by what happened, which was that I got these raves and glowing reports and reviews and love and appreciation because, you know, it's like taking lemonade, you know, lemons and turning it into lemonade. But it was actually, it was such a thrilling night because it was entirely spontaneous it, and believe me it was Paul, authentic it was authentic i didn't know this but brian's band all went back to the hotel and just got got smashed and cried they could have come over to us and, and had a great time and that's what was so sad they didn't realize it was going on we didn't we had the, one of the best nights of our lives mm. and i would still say of course i wanted to play and it, it still hasn't happened and it and it's kind of laughable because yes my dad sang there my sister the, you know, did a thing there. It, Harry performed there with Spinal Tap and it's still me to go. I will one day, but the truth of it is that I, I did in Soundcheck and, and maybe in some ways that's enough in a, in a funny old oh, way. Oh, there's plenty of time. But it, but it really was, it really was about a, sometimes... Well, it was triumph over disaster. That's exactly it. And sometimes those things are more special than than anything else you might yeah. do in your life. And yeah. that, was a, that was proof of it. That night was proof of it. Now, you, you did say earlier, I don't, I don't have people back to my house, but I want to take your mind back to the extraordinary parties, oh, the Christmas, Christmas parties <laughs> that you and Harry used to throw. And I just want to... Excuse me when I drop a few names. Yes. Now, I'm, <laughs> it's crikey, I can't believe I'm going to be saying this. So there we were at your Christmas party. Be- amazing food that Rob Long would yes. do. Unbelievable food. And then all these people started coming in. You had, and your, of course, your homes all have grand pianos in. And, and it was all Christmas songs. Yes. And then, it, I mean, then all these bloody A-list of people start walking in. This was my first year, my first Christmas. I moved here in the summer. Christmas, I'm at your party. And everyone's walking in. And I am there when an actor called Tom Hanks gets up with Steve... Banjo, Steve Martin, Martin and yeah. Martin Short, and they did We Three, uh, yeah, we we three Kings. Kings. Yeah. And it, it was funny, and it was brilliant. I didn't know then that Steve Martin played banjo. It was, it was unbelievable. And then yeah. all these, and then this party went on for a few years, and it was, was just wonderful. It became such a thing that I was always privileged to be present at. And then you decided to turn it it ended up at the Disney Hall and you turned it into the most incredible that's become an annual event where you raise money for it's a Christmas show it's just off the scale let's talk a little bit about the show and how you raise money and the charities you raise it for well it the reason it went to Disney Hall which is shocking to all of us believe me I mean it was kind of like it went from you know a multitude of people squeezed into our house to suddenly Disney Hall the reason it went there I never wanted it to go to, to, to go public in that way. It wasn't meant for that. It was purely meant for, as it was an antidote, it was a way of getting me through Christmas because I get so, I love Christmas and I hate it. Well, you married a Jew. I married a Jew. He refuses to he re- celebrate Christmas. Well, he does, but he doesn't. Now, he, now you see, he turned. The minute, the minute we embraced it with the party, and put that was really, and, yeah. and, and, and of course, it's like every great, every great song that's ever been written every classic has been it's always been written by a jewish writer and that that we must not forget all the, all the great american songbook classics not the christmas the carols though well, the, the well not the carols the but that's carols. a different thing okay. yeah he, harry yeah a I'm, he's fully I, on board he's fully on board. he's fully on board now but i've always struggled with with christmas it, it, I, I, a lot of people struggle with christmas and it is a, a tough time because you put the stakes so high and you expect perfection and you're always disappointed and I miss my family and 
and uh, and you know I I my mom died just before Christmas so to me it was sort of always a real it's always been a true love hate relationship it's mm. bittersweet and this was the best bloody way of getting through it and dealing with Harry we went the reason we actually went to to Disney Hall was because it was the year of Katrina uh-huh. and living as we did in um, part time at that point in New Orleans because we we'd had a place there since uh, the ni- uh, late nineties little condo. That that was really what what that, set it you off. Don't, it's not a little condo now, is it? We're not anymore. No, no. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, it it grew into a big boy, but it grew. Yeah, that and after Katrina, that's when we really decided we're going to put our roots down here for real, mm. and we're going to support this city because we love it so much, and we really, really do. We're absolutely in love with it. So we really we we. That was the reason to take it into but the public it? domain. You 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 you're the charities charity. Charities. Charity, mate. That are usually music-based, providing yeah, music. Yeah, well, that year was... You and that, a lot of musicians, Yes, we do. And from that year onwards, it was for the Musicians Clinic, and ha- has been ever since. When we, do, we now have we spread it out a little bit, allows a little bit more among, uh, to the cities, because we do it in various cities um, around Americans, and, and I'm happy to say this year in London. So um, we try very much, obviously in New Orleans, it's always in support of the Musicians Clinic, and and assistance foundation and that's for that's primarily for me that's for like mental health assistant it's for musicians who can't afford healthcare enough said but that year that first year it was to try and get katrina back you know to try and get new orleans back on its feet and by getting musical instruments back into the schools trying to get the education trying to get books trying to get all those things so that actually People could go back and live. Children could go back to school. It was very much about trying to keep the the musical fiber alive in that in that city. Since then, uh, in Chicago, New York, uh, San Francisco, L.A., of course, in L.A., it's always for uh, my friend's place mm-hmm. because I am I am horrified and alarmed and disgusted by the homelessness that there is worldwide. This is this is a epidemic. And it is so um, it is so reflective of how, the way that we that we that, that, that we treat that we, we treat society the rest of society the have nots mm. in, in society and I think in LA particularly with our the tent with with the tent communities that we're seeing everywhere um, amongst and within those tents there are thousands of children thousands of underage children. Who would prefer to take their to, to take their chances on the streets than being in the homes that they come from? That's how dangerous they are. And my friend's place is the most extraordinary uh, organisation that helps those runaway kids and kids that are living on the street and try and give them and not even you know not talking like little children but you know teens to get them back on track to to get them the chances that everybody needs the hand that everybody needs in this world. And we've been doing the same. In Chicago, same in New York. This year in London, we're going to be doing. We're going to be working with the West Side Mission, and with the Marlebone Festival people, who I adore, in order to to do the same thing with mental health and homelessness, which is also an epidemic in London. Anybody that's lives there knows that. Well, I just well. wanted to draw attention to it because like you and Harry, yeah. you don't brag about what you do for people but I'm aware no, I mean, you're both very it, successful and I know that you re- you'd have a feeling a little bit of a responsibility to sh- give back which you do yes we do and we and we do um to share or whatever you want to I think yeah I mean I think the point of the of the Christmas shows is that the it's it's coming from a place of entertainment yes. it's coming from a, all the people that are involved in it whether it's you know uh Jane, Jane Lynch, Lynch. Or, you know, Steve Merchant or Tim Minchin, any of these amazing people, anybody that comes in and does this, Julia, who's an absolute member of the family every single year and is so magnificent. Everybody does this for nothing. They give of their time to give and back. it looks like they're having a good time as well. Well, that's the point. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to put on a party just like it was in this house all those years ago. We still bring all our furniture to the, mm. that's the set is our furniture it's every place looks like our, our we've just dressed it as our home it's a big deal to us that this feels like you're in our home and that people on stage are having the best time imaginable it's a party and the audience should feel like they've not only had the best night and this is what christmas christmas is really about mm. which is not and it sells out every it, year every single year yeah. and it's not about it shouldn't be about but it always is about what gift you've got, about how much money you've spent, about what, you know, 
this is what it's meant to be. It's meant to be about people standing around the piano. At least that's what I think. Mm. Having the greatest time. I will never forget, by the way, being in this room and hearing the wonderful Billy Connolly. Yes. Talking to a woman that my friend had brought, who I didn't realise was the young girl that was in the rock wall painting mm. of the first, of the little black girl that is going to a school in the South when during the civil rights movement it was basically it had been opened up that it would be integrated um and she was the child that went to school and they threw tomatoes at her and that woman was standing in our house talking to billy Connolly, who was beside himself with shock that it was her and i I have to say those are the moments in my those are the things these are the things i i and think about you know the, the christmas parties and everything that went on that's what stands out to me uh I, I, it's it's astounding what what goes on, who you meet, what happens. You yes. Know? Now I do. I just want to make something clear that, that the snoring that people might be able to hear is not Harry Shearer, but it is in fact Doris Day. Doris Day, and when I say Doris Day, of course, I don't mean Doris Day, who's one of I I adore Doris Day. She she of the great uh, musicals and uh, the 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 voice of sunshine living up in Carmel with forty dogs. Now that's my own dog, who is named in her honour a blonde, a beauty. Uh, Doris Day, who is a very leggy American Labrador, she snore. She's actually not as loud as she was. Like she kept me up all night, oh God. all night. And your cat, of course. You've got well, two cats. You've got Ella Fitzgerald and Duke, Duke Ellington. Ellington. Yeah. Now, just quickly, because I could talk to you forever. Um, Please do. I want edit, edit to. This. Edit I want to just because I know keep musicians going with the record, who love keep music. Going with the record, you, 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 musicians. I mean, most of your friends or many of your friends are either comedians, actors, or musicians. Yes. And I just want to refer to two that when I was at your house at one of these parties, and I've been privileged to hear some extraordinary musicians. But I remember being here. Maybe I don't know if it was the same party or different ones, and people got up and played, and and it was like, oh my god, you've got to be kidding! And I'm not a professional. Richard Thompson, yes, playing guitar, yes. Yes. Unbelievable. I mean, yes. obviously, people might know him as a singer and songwriter, but his guitar playing is outstanding. Yeah, Richard Thompson fans, of which there are many, as we as we know, he he is um, he's a treasure. He's a national and you, treasure. You tour and with I, him. I've toured so much with Richard. I, I've worked so much with him on a thousand years of popular music. I've sung on many. I've, I'm on his most recent. Uh, 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 album I'm thrilled to say um, and he is a dear dear friend and just one of the best best blokes you could ever 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 wish to work with mm. taught me so much about being uh, being being the kind of person you want to share a stage with how it is done right how you surround yourself with people that make you happy who you trust and how to have the greatest joy on the road it's meant to be about laughter and joy because if you're not having a good time on the road playing music and doing the thing that you love then there's something really really wrong and Richard's Richard's um well his gift on the on the guitar is is something else you know it really is extraordinary yeah he is and and what and that was pretty much clear the clearest to me was I mean men come in there thousands to watch Richard play you know, Martin Knopfler stands at the front. He's, that's oh, one really? of the situation. Has been known to stand and stare at, at Richard's playing. He is such an extraordinary so virtuoso. And modest, He's such it? a modest man. And, and when we were doing Thousand Years of Popular Music, I mean, that was what was so extraordinary. Is the band was, you know, Richard on a guitar. None of this bloody changing guitar for different songs rubbish, unless he's doing electric. But it's just one bloody guitar. Me on keyboard, Deborah Dobkin on, on percussion. Done! And it's Richard... Who's playing in every style? As we're all play, changing styles for every single thing, and that he's a true musicologist. He's a virtuoso, um, and he is—he's somebody who truly loves music. It is—it's—it's it's the love of his life, and and um, and that's what I have always aspired. To, that's the kind of person I aspire to be, and, and I'm very very fortunate to to be to be his friend more more than anything because he's so special, and um, and and he's. Um, yeah, the modesty goes without saying. You know, it's sort of that, that that thing where you know the greatness, greatness is rarely bragged about. Mm. And then the other person that, that rings a bell was so this loads of people were taking the piano and taking instruments, everyone sharing, 
And then this, uh, this middle-aged gentleman, grey hair, looked like a professor, got up and sat at the piano. Van Dyke Parks. Yes. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Van Dyke Parks. I didn't, I'd never heard of him, but yeah. he's just well, a, he's, a legend he's, as he's well. He's a legend, and uh, I love that. Van Dyke Parks is a living Tennessee Williams. He, he is the southern gent from Mississippi who has a, a, a Tennessee Williams drawl about him and a wonder and joy. He's actually just been in the studio with a dear friend, and you know her, uh, Gabby Moreno, mm-hmm. doing her... She's fabulous. She's fabulous. And Van Dyke is somebody who, you know, cut the, he, he had his own solo career. He worked uh, with Randy Newman. He worked on... The Beach Boys. The Beach I mean. Boys. He worked with so much uh, uh, with Brian um, on Shine, you know. Uh, uh, his orchestrations are remarkable. Uh, he, again, he's a treasure. He's a treasure. Mm. He, he, w- these are people who I describe as being national treasures. Uh, uh, I, I have one really final question. Yeah. Can you play that funky music, White Girl? Not only can I play that funky music, White Girl, but I, I have to say, I, that, you know, I, I was wondering um, in my mind of minds what could be, you know, let's go back to New Orleans again. We're, we're down there in Mississippi with Van Dyke. And, you know, there's a reason that I'm in New Orleans, and that's because I grew up in a very, in an operatic household, a class yeah, class household Handel with my dad. Was yeah, was amazing. Yes. Handel Owen. Handel Owen, you know, my father. Was at Covent Garden for 35 years. That was my upbringing. It was sort of, sort of just, I, I started at the top and worked myself down, back down, <laughs> as I like to say. But it was a house that was full of jazz and R&B and gospel and Motown. And my father was the biggest fan of... Uh, of black American music that you've ever come across and it was really quite a remarkable thing to have that duality very rare and so of course I end up living in New Orleans because I went to the source I went to the place did you take your dad to New Orleans oh yeah and he was amazed of course Um, and it was very thrilling because music that he collected as a 17 year old or whatever you know when he was a kid like Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Jelly Roll Morton you know, coming straight from Storyville, coming from the dirt and the squalor and the sex, which is where it's all from. That's all from New Orleans. That's where it's all started. That's the music that I later, unbeknownst to me, because I'd never seen my dad's collection, collected the same 78s, because I collect 78s, same thing. So then when my dad sees my 78s years later, he's like, he was ashen, couldn't believe it. I had the same recordings, Albert Ammons, all these stride players, boogie woogie, all the stuff that I love. And so I'm drawn to the source. I'm drawn to that place. And I have, of course, I end up living there because it's such an inspiration to me. And I knew, you know, I, part of me feels like a complete fraud because I'm this uptight, or, well, not really uptight, but, you know, I'm this, this, this woman originally, you know, Welsh woman with a throaty voice. And, you know, Tom Jones has taught us all that, you know, we can all love this music and, and do it for real. But the vindication came when some of my sisters, let's just say, some of my good African-American sister singers down there did tell me and confirm that with my voice, I surely could not be all white. (laughs) And that, it was the greatest compliment of my life. And anyone that understands how highly, how much this means, to someone like me, I mean, you you got to you got to understand that that it's not about doing melismas and trying to sound black or ha- trying to do that thing. It's about having soul in your voice, and it's about meaning what you sing and feeling it. And you know, it's and that's why when you hear you know when you hear people like one of my greatest you know, loves of my life is Aretha Franklin because the woman came straight from church and was telling you in everything that she ever sang, it was straight from church and from her heart. And that's like, you know, Stevie Wonder's the same thing. It's just this is coming from a place of absolute truth and, and inner beauty and power. And so it's, it's so uplifting and devastating. So to be told, to be told that you can't really, there's no way you can, you're white, you're all white because you have so much soul in your voice. That's about as good a thing as it can get, as you can hear. So, of course, 
that's what made me want to take play that funky music and turn it to white girl and have my soul sisters singing. And on that actually is Carmen Carter and Sister Jean, who we love. Of course, love. yeah. Um, and we were chuckling about that the whole time when we were doing it because it's just, it, to me, it makes me love it. That's what it's really about. for me to choose which tracks to play I'm gonna choose if I may hot stuff I love it tell me a bit about it how um, did it come to be it came to be because um, I was doing a summer show in London and I was trying to find summer summer themed songs and I, I of course you know who doesn't love a bit of hot stuff and Donna Summer but of course me being me um, I took it into a much more yearning place again I could only I could only use what I know in life and that's that's a place of that you know which we've all been through is waiting for hours there's a theme going through a lot of these songs which is the hours and hours of waiting for someone to call you that horrible horrible waiting 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 it's just uh, terrible. Um, but I have to say that there is a certain tongue-in-cheekness to it I know but that's really that where it comes from but I, I, I will share with you something that you're the first to hear this. I am doing a video of, uh, of it, which um, I think I'm going to set in uh, speed dating. Speed <laughs> dating, because I, I love the idea of one appalling woman after another, like just, just so horrendous and wretched. You know, because I do a lot of acting and I do, do a lot of stuff with Harry, so I get to do these appalling characters, I'm happy to say. And I just thought, you know what? One of the things I will do with this whole record is I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to make, I'm, I'm going to make a, a video of as many of them as possible and actually be these different people in this. But this one really takes a biscuit. I think this one can, is the speed dating nightmare of nightmares. Hot stuff. Sitting here, eating my heart out, waiting, waiting for some lover to call. I dialed about a thousand numbers lately, almost ran the phone off the wall. I'm looking for some hot stuff, baby, this evening. I need some hot stuff, baby, tonight. I'm looking for some hot stuff, baby, this evening. Some hot stuff tonight. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm looking for whoa, 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 whoa. Looking for a lover who needs another. Stop. 
Okay, so now we are, I've, I've put you on the spot. I don't apologize yes. for it. I've got no shame. Yes. You are going to play live and you are going to show why people should pay the money and come and see you live because you're this good. Well, I'm going to go back to that little song I talked about that, that I said to Harry, which is the most extreme thing I can do. And he said, this song. Thank you, Drake. Call me on my cell phone Late night when you need my love Call me on my cell phone Late night when you need my love I know when that hot light blinks That can only mean one thing I know when that hot light that can only mean one thing Ever since I left the city You got a reputation for yourself now Everybody knows it and I'm left out Oh, you got me down, you got me stressed out Ever since I left the city You, you started going out with me thank you for it's been an absolute thank absolute you, pleasure I'm embracing you it's she's embracing me it's a visual it's a visual it doesn't come across so much <laughs> so well on the old you, uh, on the old uh, uh, audibles but no it's an absolute pleasure you know I could just do this all night but and maybe we should yeah. maybe we should do a mark two yeah no, let's do but one every day that was a pleasure thank you I'm, thank I'm you thrilled so I'm, on a, I'm on a high I'm on a high we simply must applaud them the chat podcast with Claire Fordham Keep calm and chat on. Do catch one of Judith's live shows if you can. She never disappoints. You can download Rediscovered anywhere you can stream music and the usual outlets. For more information about the tour, her new album and Judith Owen's brilliant back catalogue, judithowen.net. Thanks, Jude. Until next time, where my guest will be life coach and author Gina DeVee. Gina is the creator and founder of Divine Living, a multi-million dollar company dedicated to providing female entrepreneurs with the tools they need to live in financial, emotional, spiritual and lifestyle abundance. I'll take some of that, please. Thanks for listening. Keep calm and chat on. We simply must applaud them for 
Chat Podcast with Claire Borden, Kim and Chad Chat with Claire Fordham is an M-squared production.